I'm Amanda. I'm Jesse. In this podcast, we talk about the joys of motherhood as well as the experiences that have altered us along the way. We've created a safe space to talk about the hard and unconventional alongside the beauty, and we want you to feel confident in the decisions that you make as a mother. Welcome to the Motherhood Collective Co. Let's talk. Welcome back to the Motherhood Collective Co. Um, We're so happy that you're here. We are starting a new series today about birth stories, and we're so excited. Um, All of the birth stories that you're going to be hearing on this series are very redemptive and positive experiences. So um, some people that are coming on have had a difficult first birth, and then they had a redemptive experience their second time, or they just had like a really good experience with their first baby. Um, and we're doing this because we walked through an entire birth trauma series and we talked about our stories and the ins and outs of how birth can be super traumatic. And we just really felt like with the newness of spring and, you know, just trying to like give hope to pregnancy and birth, we wanted to have a series where we were just really highlighting like how beautiful and peaceful birth can be when it's done, um, intentionally and well. So Um, Yeah, today we have Stephanie on. Um, Stephanie is one of my good friends. I was actually trying to think, like, I don't remember, like, when we started hanging out. Because we we both went to college together. We were both college athletes. But we didn't really hang out in college. No. I don't know, like, when we It was motherhood. Motherhood, like, really connected us. And, okay, you sent me a message on Instagram when you were brand new pregnant with Sunny. (gasps) gosh I did and I I feel like I was like just far away enough that you're like okay I can talk to this person about it but she's not gonna tell everybody that I I know that I'm pregnant pregnant. yes and then you were like you were the one that told me like okay just so you know your first ultrasound is vaginal and I was like oh that's really (laughs) good to know I know I'm like I never want to I'm like waiting until 12 weeks forever to get ultrasounds (laughs) from now on that was that would have been such a shock (laughs) if you didn't know truly um but yeah I just remember like I didn't have a lot of friends who were moms yet. We were like, we had just gotten married. Sunny was like a honeymoon baby. And I was like, oh, Steph has a baby. Um, But yeah, Steph, tell everybody like a little bit about yourself and just kind of your background um, and what we're going to be hearing about today. I'm like so excited. I've heard your stories, but. I'm like giddy. I think that like talking about birth just pumps me up so much because of how capable we are as women and mm-hmm. how often we're told that we're not. Yeah. And I just feel like my stories project that so much. Mm-hmm. But I am Stephanie. I live in Colorado with my husband. We've been married for almost six years and we have two little kids. Our son is three and a half, mm-hmm. which is crazy because I feel like I had him yesterday. Yeah. And then my daughter is 15 is months old. Little toehead blondies, like the cutest kids. And they tan really well, which I like know. makes it even They're better. So cute. Their hair looks white against their tan skin. Yeah. Um, I stay home with both of them, which has always been a dream of mine. And I feel like everything I've ever pursued. Mm-hmm as a career was always a way to lead me back to being able to be with them. I'm really passionate about the rhythms in my home Mm -hmm. and homemaking and making our home a safe place for my kids to grow and Mm -hmm. thrive. Um, I'm really passionate about spiritual disciplines and what Mm -hmm. that looks like in our home and, and how my kids can lean on to that and just really creating an atmosphere of peace Mm -hmm. that anybody who walks into our door can just feel, even if, they're not exactly sure what that is or what that means. I just feel like the world is so chaotic and to be able to create peace for my family and my neighbors is really important Mm -hmm. to me. So important that you are working on a book for it right now. Am I allowed to say that? Yes. (laughs) No, I'm really excited about that. I have always dreamed of writing. I've always known that I was called to. And just in January, I'm like, I finally know Mm -hmm. what I'm supposed to write about. And I Mm -hmm. feel like the Lord has just led so many passions to collide in something that I feel like can be really useful for new moms. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I'm so excited. Um, so let's jump in a little bit just to like overview Judah's story. So Judah's her three-year-old, um, and that pregnancy was relatively uneventful mm-hmm. until the end, right? Yeah. So when was that? Like around 34 weeks? So... I, yeah, he was, he was really easy. And Mm -hmm. I just like, obviously all the normal things like, oh, I feel sick or, oh, it's hard to eat. You know, like the things that I feel like is just normal in our 
world. Yeah. And for pregnant moms. But um, I just remember we used to do pure bar together, which is also oh, like yeah. we didn't really know each other that well, but we would see oh each other gosh, there. Yeah. And remember girls would teach on their due dates. Yes. And I always like thought that was so amazing. And right. I remember hitting like 30 weeks, yeah. like my third trimester and being like, there is no way on God's great earth that I can do this. Like what is wrong with people? Yeah. And I started swelling up a lot and... Mm. Um, I remember like Googling my symptoms and taking it to my OB and being like, do I have preeclampsia? Mm. And my blood pressure was always a little bit elevated and they found protein in my urine. And for some reason I was told I didn't have preeclampsia. So at 33 weeks, so seven weeks away, I hopped on an airplane to my sister-in-law's wedding in Santa Barbara. And I was the most miserable I've ever been in my whole life trying to put on a good face and celebrate her and be with my family. We were staying in this house that literally had no doors. I know it sounds bizarre, but it was like I this weird house and I'm like (laughs) sleeping in the same rooms as my brother-in-law's. I'm peeing a million times. I'm snoring because I'm so swollen. It's just like so miserable. And we got home and I just, I used to be on Instagram a lot and I've looked back at my stories and I just like every day on Instagram was telling people like, I just feel really sick. Mm. I don't know what's going on. Like maybe it's allergies. Like I don't, Mm. had no idea what was happening to me. And then we went to church on Sunday and that's where we heard the name Judah and me and Joey looked at each other and we're like, oh, we like that. We haven't talked about this one. And it meant praise and Thanksgiving. Mm. And we drove to the, um... What's the the tea factory here called? I don't know, actually. Oh, I do, but I don't. Celestial Celestial, yeah. Okay, Okay, so we were there, and that's like 45 minutes away from our house, and as soon as we pulled back into our house, I like thought like, oh, I got out of the car. I'm like, did my water break? And I went upstairs, and I went straight to the bathroom. I didn't say anything to Joey. That's my husband. Mm -hmm. And there was just blood everywhere. Mm. And I had a coworker who had told me that she went straight to the hospital with one of her kids when she was was, bleeding. Yeah, this was crazy, right? This was, like, super integral. Yeah, like, she, she had two... She had lost a baby at, like, 27 weeks, and she had a baby that survived being born at 27 weeks. Kind of the same exact thing happened in both situations. One time she went to urgent care and the other time she went straight to the hospital. So Mm. as soon as I was bleeding, we called my OB. They were closed because it was Sunday. So we just literally called the hospital and went straight there. We got there at 2.30. I had severe preeclampsia. Like so bad. I, if anyone has ever seen Harry Potter, I was literally like Aunt Marge, the floating (laughs) lady, like just swollen that big. It was so horrible. I was so Were uncomfortable. Were you having any headaches or anything? Oh, okay. So like the night before or like the Thursday before. So Judah was born on a Sunday. The Thursday before I had a headache that started at like 6 p.m. Oh. No, it started at 3 p.m. And it never went away until 10 a.m. the next morning. I didn't oh. sleep the whole night. Yeah. And that was another thing. I was like Googling preeclampsia. But right. the next morning it was gone. I like slept for a couple hours mm. and I, I felt better. So right. I just kind of ignored that, which is another thing. Like our bodies communicate so well with yeah. us. And we should just never ignore them. Right. Um, even if you're told to ignore them, like I kind of was, just don't just like follow your gut on it every single time. But, um, we got to the hospital. They luckily the whole drive there, he was still moving. So what's so amazing is I just never had fear over him Hmm. or over myself. Like I didn't really know what could happen with preeclampsia. And I just feel like the Lord protected me from that so much. And so, um, by, I think I like, I was hooked. I don't even know you guys. I was hooked up to so much crap. I was on so much medicine. Mm-hmm. And then I told them I had to pee. So I got up to go pee and just so much blood still. Mm-hmm. So they did another ultrasound and my placenta had abrupted. Well, we had already known that, but like my placenta was like, everything was leaking out. So it went from all of a sudden, just like kind of being there to like 5.50. So three hours later, they're like, we have to get this baby out now. And I think when I got there, the goal was, because I was 34 weeks yeah. pregnant, the goal was to try and keep him in there, stay at the hospital until 37 weeks. Right. And it was just like three hours later, yeah. he was out. And I just remember like crying, um, puking while the while Joey was like catching my puke and the anesthesiologist mm. like just being like, I'm so sorry. And, it, and he's like, you don't have to say sorry to me, but just like an emergency C-section, nothing I had ever thought about, yeah. nothing. Like I didn't know much about preeclampsia. 
and we didn't know the gender of my son. So oh, my yeah. my husband was like, all he said was like, Steph, we were wrong. We were wrong. We were so sure that he was a girl. Mm-hmm. And so um, we like went back. He went straight to the... Joey waited for me to get stitched up. They took Judah straight to the NICU. And the saddest, like the hardest thing for me to look back on is that I just didn't care. Hmm. Like the moment he was born, I was so out of it that I didn't even care. I couldn't even be excited. I just was like, I, there's like this horrible video of me and I just like look at him and I'm like, baby, like I like can't even think straight in it. And so you're in shock. Like your whole world just got flipped upside down. Yes. And, and luckily, like, again, I just feel like I was protected from a lot of fear. I just knew that he was okay. And Mm -hmm. they like wheeled me back to like, I don't even know, not even postpartum yet because I was like on magnesium. Just the recovery room. Yeah. Yeah. So I was there for four days. Judah ended up in the NICU for 15 days, which now after having him for three and a half years, I'm like, that's not that big of a deal. But when <laughs> he's only been alive for 15 days, that's his whole life. And yeah. that's all you know. And it was so difficult to um, leave him there. Like it was fi- It was almost fine when I was staying at the hospital. But as soon as we left and didn't leave with our baby. I think that's when it all really started to hit us. Mm -hmm. And then the Lord just protected us again. And for three more months, I didn't even really realize what happened to us. Yes, I remember that. And it was just okay. And we had a newborn and we were happy. And then all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, what did we go through? And Mm -hmm. I couldn't even talk about the NICU without crying. And this is having a perfectly healthy son in the middle of it. Like I didn't even have to worry about what happened to him. Yeah, I almost kind of feel like... And maybe you had started processing this more internally beforehand, but I almost felt like we were kind of processing birth trauma together at one point totally. where it was kind of like, wait, like when you're going through something, you don't realize it's traumatic. It's like, yes. it's the hindsight where you're like, what the heck just happened to me? Like you mm-hmm. said, the Lord protects us. I'm There's so many mechanisms in our brain and our bodies that like totally keep us just in the moment and like yes. steady like nobody's like actively panicking most of the time totally um it's afterwards where you're like wait what just yeah. happened to me and you start kind of like tagging um neglect onto like okay so why did my doctors not catch this or why did my doctors tell me this yeah. or like should I have done something differently like should I have done this or you know you just start going through all this stuff and it's sometimes a really long process totally did you feel like that was like resolved at all before your next birth or do you think that was just something you kind of like powered through so that was one of the things like I had a lot of friends getting pregnant who had kids around the same age as Judah getting pregnant and I remember just looking at Joey being like there's no way like I cannot do this and then one day when Judah was about 18 months old I just remember telling him like I think I would be really excited to see a positive pregnancy test and expecting like, you know, you have no idea how long it's going to take. So as soon as I had that feeling of like, I think that I'm okay and that I would be excited and mind you, like so many friends processing through it with me, really learning, like, I feel like the Lord really taught me in that, that we all go through hard things and you don't have to be bitter about it and you don't have to be ugly about it, but it really brings you to be more compassionate for the hard that other people are going Mm -hmm. through. And just because... I had it harder than another friend and another friend had it harder than me doesn't mean that all of our hard isn't valid, but Mm -hmm. it also doesn't mean that that makes you treat people less. Yes. Yes. And that is something that like when you, one of my favorite quotes in the whole world is like pain demands to be felt or it will demand you feel nothing at all. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like people who go through really hard things like come out only one of two ways, more compassionate and loving and empathetic and understanding or so cynical and bitter Bitterness. and they're the people they're going to be the first ones telling you like it's not that bad it yes. could have been worse like i'm convinced those are some of the most hurt people in the entire world totally but then also some of the most hurt people in the entire world and healed people in the entire world are the ones that are like sitting with you crying with you processing and like so much empathy flowing from them because they totally. really know what it feels like and they're not interested in like the competition behind it right and um, it doesn't have like one does not have to be worse than the other yeah and we're all going to have things that are harder, mm-hmm. like in different parts of our life. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like that's just relationship and friendship. Mm-hmm. And so I just feel so grateful. And I'm sure everyone who's listening can feel this way is like, no matter what you went through, God teaches you something that makes you stronger for the next one and yeah. develops your character. 
And I think that that by the time I was pregnant with my second, which happened instantly, mm-hmm. which we are just like so grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, so my kids are about two years apart. Mm-hmm. Um, like by the time that that happened, I just like knew like I was excited about what was to come because yeah. I knew the person that I was pre-baby mm-hmm. and and what my story, who that made me, like the mm-hmm. mother that made me. And as much as I wouldn't wish it on anybody and I wouldn't necessarily want to walk through it myself again, I literally wouldn't mm-hmm. be myself. Like Joey and I were watching a movie last night and I read the book before I was pregnant mm-hmm. and I couldn't remember a thing. I'm like, Joey, that's because <laughs> that was literally a different woman. Yeah, like, it I, is. I don't even have, I don't, I there's... I'm grateful for that woman, but this is like motherhood has made me into this better, stronger version of 100%. her. 100%. And like is, you're like, you're becoming like exactly what you said. You are being birthed into the mom through that experience that your child is going to need yes. from you. And I just think that's so, it's so true. And I always start off like saying my story like that. I'm like, I don't know who I would have been if this didn't happen to me. What kind of mom? But I'm telling you, I am the mom that I am today because of that happening to yes. me. And I'm so grateful because it's it like just, the it perspective puts, puts so much into perspective and you don't take as much for granted as you might have. I mean, we're playing devil's advocate. We don't know what we would have yeah. been like, but you're just so much more grateful for those little moments because you know what mm-hmm. it could have been. Yeah, totally. And so I love this part of your story, though, because I feel like exactly what you just said happened. Like there was such a character development in you. That you just like took this next pregnancy by storm. Like you were so confident. Everything Mm -hmm. that you were saying was so like assured. And I was just so encouraged by that. As I'm sure so many women were just watching you go through that. Like how can this girl after what she just went through say like this time is going to be different. And like with so much confidence and peace. Like this is like my favorite part of your story. So I just want to hear all about your pregnancy with Shiloh and decisions that you made along the way to make it so intentional? I feel like one of the things I've learned over the past five years is that our body is capable and it's meant for this. And so to me, like if you look at what they say about the statistics of preeclampsia, it's like less than 5% chance you get it with your first. And then if you've had it, they raise you up to 25%. And I just remember being like, nope, not me. Like, and I always look at the statistics from a standpoint of like, okay, 25%. If we're over here being like, that is so much, then how should we feel about 75%? Right. Like we should be like, well, that is so, so much because Mm -hmm. that's triple the, like I have triple the chance of not getting it that I have of getting it. And I feel like that's really important because if you believe, if you walk into it and you believe this one will be better, you will treat yourself as though this will be better. If you believe it will be the same, you're just going to be defeated and discouraged your whole pregnancy. So I feel like Mm -hmm. the mindset is so important in it. Mm -hmm. And I was about eight weeks pregnant. And again, we didn't find out the gender of my daughter and we were going through I don't know. Although this time you like knew. Yeah, because you were so sure you packed bows in your bag. I literally packed bows. (laughs) I like, and who knows, we might've done that with Judah, but we didn't even have time for a hospital bag. So who knows what would have happened. But I just remember we were sitting on the couch and I was like on the name nest Instagram and I'm scrolling through and we're like looking at names and I'm like telling my husband which ones I like. He's paying no attention because I'm eight weeks pregnant and we didn't, (laughs) Judah didn't have a name for two days. Like we, I was so on so much medication. I couldn't even name him. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh, I really like the name Shiloh and it means peace. And he's like, He's like, yeah, I like it, but Judah's name is really cool because of the verse that goes with it. And his middle name, um, we have a verse that we pray over that. I'm like, I don't know if I want to tell ever, the world my I know, you don't need name. to. You don't need to. But like, I'm like, oh yeah, this is the verse that I really think of with him. And then with, um, and jo- Joey's like, oh, that's interesting. Like I think of in Genesis, in I think it's chapter 49 when... Um, Jacob is giving the blessings over Mm -hmm. his sons and he gets to Judah and that's where he's saying like, Judah, you are a lion cub and the scepter won't depart from you. And in the version that we had never read before, this will make me cry for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. We had never read this version and Joey had just pulled it up for whatever reason. It said, the scepter will not depart from you until Shiloh returns. Mm -hmm. And it was literally in like a two minute span. Like I said, I like the name Shiloh. He's like, but what about a verse? And it was just like, 
So it's talking about Jesus's return and the peace that's going to cover the world mm. when he comes back. Yeah. And so that is we awesome. were like so sold. Cool. We we're yeah. like, and we didn't, Shiloh's actually masculine. Again, we're like really? referring to Jesus. Oh yeah. And I've only met Shiloh's that are boys. But for us, it was like Shiloh is a girl yeah. like that. We had another name picked out for a boy. Uh-huh. Um, but from that moment on, I just knew it was a girl. But more importantly, I knew that the Lord was going to give me peace. And that was what guided me the rest of my pregnancy, every single decision. And now I'll say this. I truly believe that preeclampsia is caused by a nutritional deficiency mm-hmm. of a lack of protein and a lack of magnesium. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying there's not more to that, but mm-hmm. I upped my protein intake to over like 120 yeah. grams mm-hmm. a day with judah i was adding collagen to Mm -hmm. everything i was adding magnesium to Mm -hmm. things and i really feel like that's something that we don't we almost like don't want to think there was something that we could do better because it maybe makes us feel guilty but i'm like i did that and i took my blood pressure a couple times a week at the beginning and i just like watched it really carefully and i i cared for my body in a much different way. Mm -hmm. I didn't care about working out. I remember swelling up with Judah and like she said, we're college athletes. So I've always been very tiny and petite and muscular and swelling up with Judah was such a hit on my self-esteem. And I felt like I was almost this also like, it's so upsetting to me. I feel like I was eating less Mm -hmm. when I was pregnant with him because of the way I looked. And I just remember being like, that is such like yeah. I will never do that it's to my so, body it's to my so baby sad again. and it's so hard because you just don't know what you don't know and you're fighting I think pregnancy and birth brings up so many like insecurities mm-hmm. and brings up so many things that like we haven't dealt with and I know as college athletes and I'm not projecting this on you I don't know this about you but it can come with so many like eating disorders and like body mm-hmm. image issues and you're always like trying to like either slim down or bulk up or you need to be faster you need to be stronger taller yeah. all these things and it just like really man I feel like it really manifests itself like during pregnancy and birth when you're doing something more control yeah and And it's like the whole your whole life has kind of been like controlling your body and then pregnancy like kind of just happens Mm -hmm. and so I feel like it's it is it's hard when you're like I'm doing all the things that I feel like I should be doing my body's not reacting the way it's always reacted and that was really hard on me I know and I just remember going in with Shiloh being like there's no way that Mm -hmm. that is going to dictate the way that I treat my body and my baby anymore like Mm -hmm. who cares what I look like but that's another thing of like being the maiden who doesn't have a kid to being the mother like Mm -hmm. I before Judah was born didn't know how to be the mother in the way that I knew how once he was here like it shifts your life and I think that that's a really big thing to lean into yeah so I also went to the chiropractor this whole pregnancy had never been Mm -hmm. in my life before and my chiropractor is like amazing yeah and she was also my therapist I felt like I would just go in there and cry to her and she would talk to me and she would adjust me and she had a hard birth with her first one too and it wasn't what she expected so I felt like I even got to process a lot of things when fears would come up with her and so I feel like that was such a gift to me as well and then at 39 weeks which you guys I understand well I don't understand talk about perspective like for me, the end of pregnancy has never been hard mm. because first of all, I wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. And then the second time, any day that I was still pregnant, I literally didn't care. Yeah. And so we got to 39. Well, the day before my 39 week appointment, I went to my chiropractor and she, she would take my blood pressure for me also. Yes, right. And so she was like, your blood pressure is a little bit elevated today. And I had, I had one, I went to an OB who is very, um, naturally minded. They have very high VBAC statistics, mm-hmm. which I feel like that's a different thing that I did this time as I really looked researched at a provider, a provider and the statistics around surrounding them. And I went and I met with them completely ready to fire someone. If I didn't mm-hmm. feel like they were okay with mm-hmm. what I wanted. And so I walked into this provider who was actually recommended by my chiropractor. And I just felt like they gave me so much confidence. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is, especially if you've had a C-section and want to be back, they usually do the opposite. Yes. I feel like they drain Lead you of your confidence. Fear. Yeah. Yeah. They're again with the statistics, like it's like, oh, the statistic is that there's a 1% chance you have a uterine rupture. Mm-hmm. And the statistics of that even being something that could really harm you or your baby is like 
one percent of that or something and that is you've touched on a few things that we have like drilled into y'all's minds on this podcast and that is one of them is that statistics need to be kept relative so when someone says you have three times the chance of a uterine rupture with a v-back you're it goes from 0.5 percent to 1.5 percent and i and that actually might be different now i think amanda even said she looked into something even less than that yeah um, but just keep things relative and you can fire your provider. If they're leaving, leading with fear and you walk in and you all of a sudden are like, wow, I don't think I can do this. Leave, mm-hmm. like go find somebody else. Totally. Cause mindset is everything. And yeah, that's, and that matters. And the people that are with you, if they are cheering for your birth, your way, then you know that they're not pushing anything on you. Like I yes. knew if my provider would have switched to a c-section I would have known it was life or death because we knew what I wanted yeah there was one midwife there who she we had the midwife who I loved Mm -hmm. and then the one we called the medwife because she was like kind of just like little digs here and there that I didn't appreciate like saying like oh girls think that they can go natural with their birth but they can't even get um a cervix check (laughs) and I'm like can I just tell you guys that getting a cervix, I did not have an epidural with Shiloh and we'll get to that. Getting your cervix checked is way more painful and getting your membrane swept, the worst thing that's ever happened to me really? than literally pushing out a baby naturally. So I'm just going to say like, hmm. it's a natural process when your baby comes out, when someone is jabbing themselves up you, sorry, mm-hmm. that's really vulgar, but it it's is, exactly yeah. what happens. Yeah. That is uncomfortable Mm -hmm. in so many different levels and that is worse. So if someone ever says that to you, I just remember leaving being like, what is wrong with this lady? Why do you (laughs) even call yourself a midwife? Well, once again, like who knows, like she's bitter for some kind of reason. Like maybe that was something she wasn't able to do or like, that's the thing is like, you gotta just like, yeah, follow what resonates with you. Like when, when someone speaks and you have peace about it, that's Mm -hmm. what's resonating with your spirit. And if someone is telling you, you can do this and that resonates with you, then go do it. Yes, totally. One, she, the medwife, was the one who was at my 39-week appointment. And she'd already talked about induction a few times. Mm-hmm. And so I think going in, knowing my blood pressure was a little bit elevated, knowing that she was going to for sure push me into an induction because right. I'm 39 weeks. And that's a, that's a norm right now yeah. for people, even if nothing is going wrong. Right. Um, I just like was really fearful and I told Joey he hadn't been to any of my appointments with me and I was like will you please come with me because I felt like I needed like I I've grown in confidence so much I needed backup and so Joey was there and Judah was there Judah was running amok it was a little bit chaotic the nurse comes in right away takes my blood pressure and literally her eyes get huge she takes it again and she starts to leave the room and Joey goes what's her blood pressure at and she's like she's like I don't really want to say like, so who knows what my blood pressure was even at, you guys. It could have been not even a big deal, but we have no idea. I know. That's so strange. And so my OB was connected to the hospital. And before I know it, I am in a wheelchair. There's nothing like being in a hospital gown and a wheelchair. To make that, you feel like you're a patient. And there's something wrong, mm-hmm. right? And so I just remember being wheeled to triage with my son on my lap, being like, what the heck just happened? I've had a perfectly healthy pregnancy up until here. Mm -hmm. So we get to triage, the nurses come in and she goes, are you the one we're gonna section? First of all, never heard it said like that. So I like had to clarify, like, are you trying to give me a C-section right now? Because what? Yeah. And that just like set Joey off. I feel like he had never had the experience of like, the things that I had told him, like, oh, my doctor was condescending to me here. Or being or this told happened. what's going to happen to you without yeah. a single question. And he looked at them and he's like, what are you talking about? Her blood pressure was high right now. We're coming to monitor it. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was just like, oh, I knew I needed him here. Mm-hmm. And going from one kid to two kids, one of my biggest like that, you know, as, as a mom, when you're about to have your second, you're like sad about not only having your first in right. the time. And so like the way that Judah, cause Judah wasn't allowed to stay in triage. So this was like, you know, 2020, when was my daughter born? 2021. 20, 22. 22. Yeah. 22. Yeah. yeah. She just turned one. So like still hospitals weren't allowing like family in and all that kind of stuff. It changed really soon after we had her. Um, just like he was kind of just like ripped out of my arms and we went and dropped him off at a friend's house. And I just remember like laying there for a long time while Joey went to like pack a hospital bag and just 
like I wasn't even on my phone I just like sat there in the bed hooked up to a machine and I'm like and fear like just Mm. a lot of fear in that moment and it was just so frustrating when you go the whole time and you're avoiding that and you're making all your decisions out of peace and I just remember praying and being like this is not what I wanted Mm -hmm. this is not what it's gonna be and to me it didn't even feel like oh this is what the Lord had it Mm -hmm. was like it, I felt like he just gave me the courage to be like, prove it. Like, mm. prove that you're the mom that you say that you are. Yeah. Prove that you're the person that you've said you are and you've encouraged all these women in this way over your pregnancy. Like, it was almost like a test, but in a way that I knew he was with me and he was helping me, but yeah. he was like, do it. Like, mm-hmm. you have the say. And so... Mm-hmm. My OB came in and she was like, we really want to induce you. It was a February night and it was snowing. And I was like, I really don't want to be induced. And my doula, the best advice I ever got was ask them if you have time to think about it. Yes. If Mm -hmm. they say yes, it's not an emergency. Yeah. So I was like, okay, do I have time to think about it and talk to my husband? So she left the room, you guys. She was gone for like three hours. Yeah. So I'm like, clearly there's no emergency in right. here. So she came and did back. did anyone ever tell you what your what your blood pressure was at? I have no idea what my blood pressure was. They were monitoring <laughs> me in triage. My blood pressure yeah. was fine the whole time. We ended up staying the night because I pushed off an induction. Right. We're like, we'll see how the night goes. If I really need it in the morning, we'll do it. Right. And so she came back in the morning. My blood pressure was stable all night. We did all the other tests. No protein in my urine. So like I did not have preeclampsia with yeah. this pregnancy. Definitely like some hypertension in that one moment who knows yeah she which can be very normal like that can be a very normal aspect of like well first of all trauma past trauma with medical yes things but then also just like the end of your pregnancy like we our blood volume increases like your blood pressure will increase a little bit and it's just Maybe if you hadn't had a history of preeclampsia, that wouldn't have been like a red flag. I would not be in triage in this moment if I didn't have my history. There's just no way. They might have like encouraged me to induce just since I was 39 weeks, but I wouldn't have been kept overnight. Right. And again, I say kept. I had the decision. And I think that that's another thing is like, Joey stayed with me that night and we decided like, yeah, it is snowy out. If we needed to get back here in a rush for whatever mm-hmm. reason, like the roads could be bad. Like, let's just stay the night. And, and Judah has someone out. that's staying yeah, with Judah's him. Judah's safe. Yeah. It's good. And the next morning after my blood pressure was fine, she came back in and she was like, she was like, okay, do you want to be induced? And I was like, I really don't. I just remember looking at her and being like, I don't want to be induced. And she looked at me and she was like, that is fine. I need you to know your best chance for a VBAC probably is going to be getting induced. And I was like, again, okay, do I have time? Can I think about it? She left again for hours. (laughs) She came back. And I was like, I really like the peace. There wasn't the peace of getting induced Mm -hmm. in that moment. And so she was like, okay. We did a membrane sweep to try and induce naturally before I went home. And what I did was I scheduled an induction for Sunday. Hmm. And I think a big part of that for me was to give myself time. Like if my body was ready to go in labor, I wanted a little bit extra time. A VBAC was really important to me with Mm -hmm. how much medication I was on with my C-section and that I felt like I missed out on those first moments with Judah. Yeah. So that was just like honestly above all for me really was I want to be back but I didn't feel good about the way I left Judah yeah so I went home I snuggled with him on the couch for the first time again he was like two years old and so you know that rambunctious age Mm -hmm. for the first time in a really long time he just laid with me and we took a nap in front of Thomas the train Mm. and then I slept amazing that night in my own bed after having a hospital bed and a lot of fear and worry my parents were there by this time so I really Mm. knew that Judah was taken care of and that like as long as we were in the hospital we weren't gonna have to worry about where he was and so we scheduled the induction for Sunday morning it was Super Bowl Sunday February 13th Mm -hmm. and I had told my Bible study a few weeks earlier than that I'm like I just really want to labor during the Super Bowl, have a Valentine's baby, and have a heart-shaped pizza and champagne in the hospital to celebrate with my husband. And it wasn't until we were driving back to the hospital after all the chaos that like the Lord was just like, it's Super Bowl day. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like that was again, like so much peace going into Mm -hmm. it of like, 
when I said that, did I want it to be this way? No, but like how good of him to give me that little Mm -hmm. bit of encouragement. And sometimes I say things like that and then they come back around and I'm like, did I say that? Or did, was the Holy Spirit like just speaking through me? And then I knew like, right. Yeah. Just to confirm. Yeah. Yeah, Just like to Mm -hmm. give me those little snippets. Yeah. Um, so I got induced and for a while it like really wasn't bad. And I learned in that moment because I had never had a contraction. How did they they induce you? Pitocin. Okay. So they went straight to Pitocin. They didn't try anything like cervical? Yes. So because of that, with the uterine rupture, which is also silly, you guys, I'm just going to throw it out there. Pitocin also increases your chance of uterine rupture. Yeah, with or without a cesarean. Yes. And that's what my midwife was like. The worst uterine rupture I've ever seen was just Pitocin. It was a first time My midwife actually said the same thing. She said of every uterine rupture she's ever seen, she was like, if I counted them up, they're split down the middle of women who have never had a cesarean and women who have. Like she's like, it's almost not contention on that. Totally. And for some reason, a VBAC not pushed, uh, Pitocin is pushed often. So it's right. like those things too that you just have to know to make the decision for yourself. So your doctors, they felt, sorry to interrupt you, they felt safe inducing you with Pitocin with a prior C-section. Because yes. that's kind of like mixed data too. Like if that's even something that's considered safe. So their belief at my OB, and of course I didn't do tons of research into this, so I can't even say where I stand on it, was that they, like the balloon Yes, thing, the folly balloon. That would have been worse for oh. my, and again, like who right. knows, maybe somebody has had a VBAC like that and you're like, that's crazy. I'm like, I don't know. That was what I was told. So I was induced with Pitocin, told I couldn't use anything else. This was like the way to do it. Okay. They started me off really low. And the fact of the matter is my daughter was not ready to come. And a lot of times your baby is not ready to come unless labor starts naturally. And I'm obviously I chose Pitocin. I chose to get induced. I really felt confident in the decision. I had a lot of peace going into it. I wasn't scared at all. Um, But she, her head was turned a little bit. So she wasn't completely in the right position. She was in my birth canal, but her face was a little bit to the side. So I was having some back labor. Like I, it was, I was definitely, she was a little bit stuck in there. And so it took a while. And I just remember like contractions getting worse and worse. I didn't realize that I had had contractions leading up to that because I never knew what a contraction was because I never had one with Judah. So I'm like, this is all so new to me. Um, well, speak a little to that, like even just like the practicality of like, how did that feel compared to what you had imagined or what you'd been told? I know this sounds so psycho, especially if someone's about to have a baby and you're a little bit fearing labor because it's painful. Like I'm not going to like sugarcoat it. Yeah. It hurts. Um, I was so excited. Yeah. I was just like so thankful to be where we were and to have the chance to like remember my baby when they came out I think Mm -hmm. that that was just driving me so much of like I had just read so much and I had done some birth courses I did the mama natural birth course and I went through her book this time and what I loved is she's not anti-using anything Mm -hmm. she's very much like know the statistics like be prepared yes that's Mm -hmm. exactly what she talks about and so I felt like I just was so ready for what was going to come even though I don't know if you really can be because it's a lot and so we did a lot of there was a South African nurse she had the best accent and Mm. she was just amazing at Mm. like helping me with the peanut ball and doing the moves to like move Shiloh into place right and so we did a lot of that and I had the anesthesiologist you guys my husband is really tall and this guy like if I see someone I'm like they're tall I know they're probably seven feet tall yeah and so this guy was huge and I he's like trying to tell me like why I should get an epidural because if we have to move to a c-section which nobody at this point had thought that that was even the case my body was handling pitocin well Mm -hmm. like everything's going well um he's like if we have to like you might have to be put under if you don't have an epidural so I feel like again to me in that moment I was like fear like always and I looked at my doula was very prayerful my husband is very prayerful I'm like are you guys scared because I'm not like do you think I should get it because I'm like I really felt like if the Lord wanted me to get an epidural in that moment because something could have gone wrong that my doula or my husband was going to look at me and be like you should consider this. And they did Yes. And that's, and that I think is like, it's so crazy because even just like per hospital standards, like there's so, there's just so many different factors going into it where it's like, you cannot plan your birth around hoping 
that like the hospital or your doctor or like anything will just like cooperate exactly how you want like you have to exactly what you did you have to build a team of people who have your back who are like informed and empowering and who can advocate on your behalf even in those moments because that hospital is and i'm sure other ones are so (laughs) notorious you got totally bullied yes like literally barging in and being like you need this this is why and it like you're gonna die if you don't and it's like totally when you're already in a vulnerable mindset state of like labor that is the last thing you need to hear and you're in pain. Totally. Like, get well, I literally wouldn't <laughs> let him talk to me when I was contracting. Yeah. And my contractions were a few minutes apart at this point. So he'd be telling me all the things. Joe is actually out getting lunch. He's not even mm-hmm. in the room. My doula is sitting next to me. And I would lift my finger oh, to yeah, his t- face. <laughs> and to me, I'm like, okay, that's such a silly little thing. But that is something I never would have told a doctor to stop talking. Yeah. My, my other self, like, I was apologizing yes. for... Th- Throwing up yes. to the anesthesiologist right. to then two years later looking at an anesthesiologist who's massive in the face, putting my finger up, being like, I'm contracting yes. through this right now. And at one point he was like, You seem like you're actually handling this really well. Yeah. Like, and bye. so I felt like even <laughs> he was like, Okay, I actually think you can do this. <laughs> and so he left. He never came back. Uh-huh. And I was taking a while to get to a seven. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I got to a seven until the next morning. So like so after how many hours in was that about, I think I got induced at 10. So I think we're about 12 hours in at okay. this point. And I like maybe a little bit more than that. It was the next day. And had your water broken? Okay. My water broke. And I told them, I was like, I think my water just broke. And everyone's like, no, I don't think so. So I was like, well, I've never had a water break. I didn't know what right. it would feel like. It just like kind of felt like almost like you just like took a water balloon and like squished it and then I like felt some liquid so it just felt like it wasn't like a burst it was like it almost was like a slow like you were slowly pushing water out of something you know right so I was like okay maybe I'm wrong and so whatever (laughs) like again I've never this never happened to me right so then around like when I finally hit a seven yeah. and I was in so much pain yeah. by this point. And I pray that what they say about Pitocin contractions, that they're more painful is they true. Are. Yeah. Because I'm like, if that's true, I can do this. They are. For sure. Um, I mean, I feel like anyone can do it yeah. with Pitocin but as well. But there's such a difference between like what is medically induced and naturally yeah, induced. Like yeah. Like what your body, your body is, your uterus is controlling your contractions mm-hmm. until you have the medicine mm-hmm. that's making it happen yeah. for you. So that's right. very different. And so I just was in so much pain. And they're like, do you want us to break your water and see if it goes any faster? And so what do they do? So with, okay, really quickly, with you being in so much pain, were you personally ever fearing like a uterine rupture? Were you ever like, is this normal pain? Is this like, did they tell you like that there would be a certain, like a different level of pain with that or anything to look out for? I guess one of the things is that, I had to be hooked up to a monitor. Yeah, right. So I was hooked up to, and they gave me one of the cordless ones. Okay, Which is, is it any better? I don't know. Because the nurses were in every three minutes to like fix it and adjust it. Because I know, that is the standard. Yeah. So I think they really are monitoring the baby. Yeah. And she was doing really well. I think there was one time in there that I had like done some lunches with my doula and she did not like that. So we like stopped (laughs) that. But like, it was, I genuinely had no fear. And Joey... (laughs) Because I think I like went into it with the mindset of like, yeah, this is going to hurt. But like, I'm, I just knew I'm capable and I had so much peace over it. Well, Joey had only ever seen a C-section that took less than an hour that I wasn't in any pain besides like a little bit medicated. Like I, I didn't go through pain with my C-section. Yeah. I mean, recovery was difficult. Yeah. But like in the middle of it, you're completely numb. So you like feel tugging on your belly. And so he was not doing well. Like if anybody was not doing well, it was him. He's like texting my doula on the side, like how much longer of this? Is she doing okay? Does this look normal? Like what's going on? Cause I kind of like just let it overcome me. And I like had read like Ina Gard. What's mm-hmm. that's not the person. Um, I know what you're talking Ina about. May. Ina May. Yeah. Guide to childbirth. I like my way of preparing for childbirth was cooking recipes from Ina Gard. <laughs> Okay. Anyways, I was like, I was like 
pretty prepared for it and like taking it like a wave right and noticing like okay when I'm in a contraction I need it to be silent like the pain is making me kind of irritable at Mm -hmm. noise and that totally makes sense for who I am as a person outside of labor (laughs) like noise gets to me yeah so Joey like sat and watched the Super Bowl in Mm -hmm. silence which is hilarious (laughs) he's like oh I thought it was gonna be kind of fun we're gonna like watch the Super Bowl but it was intense yeah and so at probably like I cannot remember when my daughter was born. I feel like I know everything about Judah and then with Shiloh. It's just like little details that I've forgotten. But it was for sure, I think it was 12.45. No, in the morning. So 12.45 a.m. Okay. Valentine's Day. And I'm finally at a seven. Oh, they go to wake to break my water and my oh, water's broken. Shocking. <laughs> like I said it was, right? I'm like, no, they're like, what to do it? And they're like, oh, your water already broke. And I at this point was at a seven, finally. Okay, yeah. And I remember them cheering. Were you getting were you getting cervical exams throughout? That was my only one. Okay. So I wasn't getting them. And then when I was just feeling so much pain and I was feeling a lot of pain because I was about to hit transition. Right. right. And so I'm like, okay break my water, do whatever you have to do. They were so happy. I just remember the nurses coming in being like, you're at a seven. That's only like one or two more hours till you're at a 10. And my eyes were closed because I was just like focusing on the contractions. I was in so much pain and they like shot open. And I looked at Joey and I... I'm not a cusser, but I'm going to anyways. I'm like, what the hell? And he didn't even respond. He just looked at me because I was like, there's no way that I'm going to be able to do this for right. two more hours. They've right. lost their mind. And then I looked at my doula. She goes, how are you feeling? Uh-huh. And I said, I have 15 minutes. Yeah. And again, I don't know what that meant. Like, who do I think I am? Like, I have 15 minutes and then what? I'm going to die. I'm going to get an epidural. I'm going to die. Put me in a C-section. Like, I don't know what I meant. I just looked at her. And I Upper remember. interpretation. Whatever you want to do with yes, that. Yes. I remember clearly we both looked at the clock at the same time. Because, you know, in the hospital bed, the clock's right in front yes, of you. Yeah. She turned around because she was facing the back of it. And my eyes went up. And it was 1245 in the mm, morning. Yeah. And so... I go through the most animal, there's no way to describe them, just like you can literally like feel your body opening up and it's so painful. And Mm -hmm. I just remember like moaning, like I probably was the same as a cow giving birth. Like (laughs) I just remember feeling like a cow, like the noises that I'm making and then like by the end I was like sobbing like you Mm. know the sound of like someone sobbing and like they're like shaking Mm -hmm. and I just like was no tears just like the noise of like sobbing and I told them I'm like I have to push Mm -hmm. and they're like don't push you literally I literally just hit a seven right and so they go to check me again I literally went from a seven to a ten in those 15 minutes Mm. we looked back at the clock and it was 1 a.m and we were both like what the heck it happened in 15 minutes right so again it's like I don't know crazy was that God being like no you have 15 minutes right and we just like get to confirm it right because I said it out loud like I don't know I really feel like it was just him Mm -hmm. just encouraging me Mm -hmm. like there's 15 minutes you can do this and that's what's so crazy about childbirth and like something that I want to encourage everyone listening to it's like you can think that like something is taking a really long time like okay 12 maybe at that point 15 hours I don't know if I'm counting yeah no it was 13 hours 13 hours like um to go from like a zero to a seven, mm-hmm. but then 15 minutes to dilate from a seven to a 10. Yeah. Like you literally just don't know like how fast like certain stages might like go and your body does. Totally. Um, But just allowing the space and the time for that, like and mm-hmm. making sure your providers are encouraging of, you know, right. the space and time for that. You just don't know. And I just remember those last 15 minutes, like I think it was so crazy and so like animal feeling because I just remember like letting go totally. Mm. And just being like, I'm just going to like let this pain ride over me and I'm just going to feel it. And I genuinely feel like that's why I could feel myself open up so much because I was just allowing it. There was like no part of me that was holding back. Like I feel like it's easy to kind of hold back in in contractions and I just did it in those Mm. last 15 minutes. And so I think, I really think she was born at like 120. Mm. I pushed for about 20 minutes she came out and of course we didn't know she was a girl, but we did. <laughs> so they just like put her right on my chest 
And Joey announced, because that's our thing, is like, I don't want to hear it from the doctor. I want to hear it from my husband. Mm -hmm. And he was like, it's a girl. But like, it wasn't even exciting because I knew. Yeah. Like, I just remember her being on my chest and feeling like pure joy and just like so much relief of like, ugh, I knew it was you. Like, I knew it was Shiloh. I knew it was you. And like, you're here. Mm -hmm. And like, just like sitting there with her on my chest being like, this is the exact moment that I missed that I worked so hard for. Yeah. And that was so important to me. And even going naturally yes. without an epidural and they had offered like fentanyl, which I like live remember <laughs> you guys. <laughs> I like told Joe, I'm like, is that a drug? Like I'm so confused. <laughs> Why would they give that to me? And like, again, obviously they're giving safe doses. Safe right. doses. They're a nurse and everything. But like... I just remember being like, that sounds literally nuts to me right now. I think I'm okay. (laughs) But like all, like the fact of how present I was in those moments and like nursing her for the first time, I don't remember her cord being cut. Mm -hmm. I don't remember my placenta coming out. Mm -hmm. Like I just had her Mm -hmm. and that was all I needed. And we were so happy. And I remember my doula being like, what is her name? Because we didn't even share like name options with anybody. I'm like, this is Shiloh. And she was there and it was just so awesome. And I don't Mm. even know how long I was just holding her. And then I finally looked over at Joey and I'm like, do you want to hold your daughter? And he is knocked out. (laughs) (laughs) Dead asleep, slept for like eight hours. (laughs) So I like look at my doula and I'm like, do you want to hold her? Like she got to hold her before Joey did. Cause I just think like the emotional roller coaster for him, like you know how it is when you're sick, you know, you can handle it. But when someone else is sick, you feel so bad for them. Right. So I think it just like really took it out of him. And I just remember the next morning, like, getting up to go to the bathroom and being like, is this okay? Mm-hmm. Because I was hooked up to a catheter and I right. had the magnesium drip and I was signing papers in case I needed a blood transfusion yeah. and I didn't get out of bed for four days and I had to be wheeled down from postpartum recovery to the NICU every day in my hospital bed. Mm-hmm. And so standing up the next day with my daughter who was born and I, I did tear a little bit. I had a second degree tear. And so I felt like I, ha- I was so fearful of like going to the bathroom, just going to the bathroom, put like a few drops of peppermint, peed in a second, had no pain in it. Yeah. They stitched me up while she was on my chest, which I felt like I didn't even notice. Mm-hmm. I was just so happy. Obviously numb me a little bit for that, but like yeah. I just, it just made it so worth it to mm-hmm. me. And as much as I feel like medicine is there for us and obviously I took advantage of it in two births, mm-hmm. right? Like I had the Pitocin and I, I opted for that. I just feel like the feeling of being fully present in the moment mm. was so worth it for me and how easy my recovery was. Yeah. My recovery, I didn't even feel, I was very big into the first 40 days mm-hmm. and we rested big time. But I remember being like nine days in being like 40 days. Like, do I really have to rest for this long? <laughs> the answer is yes, you do have to rest <laughs> for that long. Yeah. But like, I just felt so good. Yeah. And that to me, I'm like, if you're thinking about going naturally, you're capable, mm-hmm. follow your peace throughout it because mm-hmm. there could be a situation that you maybe do need something and it's not a something to prove. Like I went into it being like, if the only way to push this baby out is that I need some rest because I've been in labor so long and yeah. I need an epidural to take that rest, I will do it. It yeah. wasn't like this It was never about, I need to prove to people that I'm strong enough. It was, I want to be fully present in the moment of knowing my baby. Mm -hmm. And with Judah, it would have been the pride. Yeah. And that is like, what's so cool about the two Mm -hmm. stories connected. So cool. I love that. And I hope that like everybody listening just hears so much encouragement. Like I know there's actually a lot of moms um, who have reached out to us that have had C-sections and they want to have a VBAC. And um, most providers will tell you that like they have certain VBAC rates or whatever but the truth is a lot of women just opt for a second c-section because of like what they're told about the statistics or the chances for things um but I just want to encourage you guys because a VBAC is always be like the safest first line approach but like Steph said like yeah for both of you um and should an emergency arise like there are you know precautions for that but I just, what I love about your story is you truly just like took it into your own hands and you made it a story that you 
were in control of as much as you could be like informed consent about everything and really like not fearing what a doctor is going to think of you if you say x y and z Mm -hmm. or don't do x y and z refusing an induction like after you had already been overnight in a hospital like yeah that we like drove away we're like jailbreak we like cheered me and my husband like we did it we got out of a hospital yeah and i just think like for all of you listening like if you want to be natural go natural um with your childbirth but you're going to a hospital like Amanda and I have talked so many times about really preparing a team and a birth plan and like walk into it like you are going into a battle because there will be a lot of obstacles to overcome. But with the right mindset and the right people in your corner, like it is so doable. Mm -hmm. And um, I just think it's so cool. And Steph is right. Like Pitocin contractions are so much worse than like natural contractions. So I hope like that even gives you the courage, like with your next oh, baby. I'm, I'm so like, excited. I've got this. Um, we are wrapping up here, but there were two questions that people um, put in the question box. And one of them was, if you have any tips for overcoming birth trauma, um, or if you felt like you did anything specific after Judah's birth that helped. I think. And I know, Jesse, you've probably said this on here a lot because mm-hmm. we have the same views on this. I think talking about it is really important mm-hmm. and allowing it to be something that like you share in a way that is vulnerable so that people can come to you. Because I think walking with people who also have gone through it helps you see it mm-hmm. better. So like I, ne- I have never met someone who went through what I went through, but I've met tons of people who have gone through loss or infertility or just Nick like yeah. NICU babies that didn't come from preeclampsia like all of these different things and just allowing their stories to minister to me and my story to minister to them and mm-hmm. to grow in compassion and then also look for the good mm-hmm. there's so many women out here who are crushing it giving mm-hmm. there's a lady on Instagram who live records her home births I know I've, I watched it and that encouraged yeah. me so much yeah. because it wasn't her first baby it wasn't her second baby it was mm-hmm. like her sixth baby I know yeah and so to me I'm like knowing that like knowing the statistics and being informed and also knowing like no I don't have control over the situation I you never have control over the circumstance but you do have control over what you know going into it and the decisions that you make like you are in control of your own decisions Mm -hmm. and I think just like processing it with people and learning more Mm -hmm. helped me so much get over that and to just be like my story you you'll listen you guys are gonna listen to how many births are gonna be on here like 10 yeah and none Mm -hmm. are the same so it's like why would I think that my first birth was gonna be like my second Mm -hmm. birth when nobody's stories are the same like it it doesn't even work like that so not letting what happened to you dictate what will happen to you in the future right yeah that is that is so important um and then the other question was if you have um specific resources that you utilized um, with your second birth, um, that you found particularly helpful or like anything gearing up for a VBAC that you felt should be in people's hands? Yes. So nutrition was number one for Mm -hmm. me, truly. And so the nourishing traditions, oh gosh, you're going to have to, it's the the one you gave me. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's called nourishing traditions for childhood or something like that. And it literally walks you through like Um, what you should be eating when you're trying to conceive, what you can eat when you're pregnant, what you can feed your newborn, Mm -hmm. like all this kind of stuff, like milk supply. And I just remember there's a whole page on there that Mm -hmm. talked about the synthetic stuff that is in our prenatals and how to get that naturally. Mm -hmm. So I like started taking beef liver supplements. I was like doing the magnesium, Mm -hmm. like a lot of the things, the nutrition decisions I made were because of that book. So that book's an amazing resource. And then um, I did read, I didn't even read all through the Ina Mays book. Mm. I read mostly just the other people's birth stories. Yeah. And then the Mama Natural, I read her book. So it's like a week by week. And then there's a birth course also, which I also invested mm-hmm. in that. And it, it wasn't crazy expensive, but I just feel like. From her? Okay, yeah. yeah. So she has a course and they like do, they like, they have births that you can watch on there. So I felt like that was really helpful for yeah. me to see it. Um and like she does a really good job of not pro- projecting her views on you, just mm-hmm. saying like, 
hey, here's the risks with Pitocin. Yeah. Here's the good the pros and cons of everything. Yeah. Here's the pros and cons with an epidural. And she's like had an epidural and she's been induced mm-hmm. and she's done it naturally. So I feel like she just has a really wholesome perspective of yeah. like when is a good time to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that guided a lot of my yeah. decisions too and helped yeah. inform me. Yes, I love that. And then did you, you started reading the first 40 days. Was that during pregnancy or oh did you gosh. start reading the after pregnancy? I like had the first 40 days is like, oh, my if I could just be in the first 40 days my whole entire life, that would be my dream What's life. funny is I, like, actually our <laughs> listeners are probably aware of that just because I've mentioned you with the first 40 days before. It's um, amazing. And I couldn't get enough of it. So it's this really beautiful book that is all about, like, how to nurture a mother. And she also has one called Nine Golden Months. Okay. And it's all pregnancy recipes. But it just talks a lot about like how important it is to nurture a mother. And I read that before I read like some Mm. of the like birth stuff. Yeah. And it got me so pumped for postpartum. Mm. And I think that that took away some of the fear too, because I know postpartum can be really hard on people. And it definitely was hard on me with Judah, but I was just more concerned with the NICU. So I didn't even think about myself that much in postpartum. Um, but that's, I mean, that's kind of like what I feel like we would naturally fall into is like we prepare so much for birth yes, and we never prepare, we never think to prepare for postpartum. And so that's something Amanda and I tried to talk about a lot. And I think something you did really well. Um, and if you didn't catch any of those or all of those titles, I'll link them in the show notes. So if you just go, um, wherever you're listening to this, if you just read the description, I'll have, um, all of them there for you. Okay. Anything else that you would want to share or that you feel like would do your story more justice before we hop off anything you'd want moms that are listening to just like take in their back pocket for their birth I think the two things and I told you this before we got on is like you are not in control of the circumstances but you are in control of the decisions you make through it Mm -hmm. and to not feel like you have to put that control in a doctor's hands Mm -hmm is really important and to me I really put it in the Lord's hands so I feel like that's really important too and that was the peace and the fear I always knew the peace was from him and the Mm -hmm. fear was something that I needed to avoid the decisions that felt like I was making those decisions driven by fear I knew it wasn't my right decision and then um, the second thing is just that little tip about is this an emergency just like Mm -hmm. you don't even have to ask your doctor like is this an emergency you just say do I have time to think about that and if you're in danger if that's something that like worries you about making the wrong decision if you if your doctor says you need to have a c-section or you need to be induced or you need an epidural Mm -hmm. or anything that you don't you're not sure if you feel good about but you don't want to make the bad decision that isn't good for you and your baby. Mm-hmm. Just ask if you have time to think about it and just know if they give you time and then don't come back <laughs> for a long time, you and your baby are not in danger. Right. Yeah. I love that. That is so, I feel like that's something that's just going to like surface in everybody's brains when they're in labor. Yes. Just a little tidbit to take with you. Um, but thank you so much Steph for tackling this and for sharing your story. I know that it can like bring about, all the emotions and I am just so grateful that women are going to be able to hear this and seek encouragement from it. Um, thank you guys for listening next week. We have another, um, awesome birth story to be sharing with you guys. And like I've said before, this series has like such a wide array of different births. Um, so you'll really truly hear like the full spectrum, Um, which will hopefully be encouraging for wherever you end up choosing to give birth, how you end up choosing to give birth, um, and how you will meet your baby. Thank you for listening. And remember that you were chosen to be the mother of your children. And you are exactly where you need to be. See See you next week. week.